Rush Nerds Unite. It's the Ludini Rock and Rush Podcast. We have assumed control. We have assumed control. Hey, guys. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. It's the Ludini yes, Rock and Rush Podcast. Yeah. Normally, it's the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Right. But we started doing this new thing. Yes. We, it's not official, but it's like it's turning out to be like the first podcast of the month. Yeah. We devoted all to Rush. We call it the Ludini Rock and Rush podcast. Oh, I see what you did and there. And we just yeah. devote the whole thing to Rush. Um, we're not going to get into too much personal stuff about, you know, anything like that. Nope. <clears throat> There's no new and notable. No. There is no nothing about movies we've seen or anything. Is We're going to be focused completely on Rush because there is a, uh, there are still Rush nerds out there. Yeah, well, there's many. Yeah, uh, that's not going away anytime no. soon. So, um... Welcome back once again to Rock and Rush. We're going to have a really good time today. Our focus today is going to be the drummer of Rush, which oh. his name his name was Neil Peart. Yes, sadly passed away yes. at the beginning of 2020. Yes, uh, a lot not around the same not around the same time. Right, is that same year as Eddie Van Halen? Right, Eddie died in 2020. I think Eddie and R- Neil died in the same. Very year. close, if not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, within a year of each other, I'm sure. So, um, but Eddie Van Halen, unlike Neil, Eddie Van Halen, the only thing that would have made Eddie Van Halen cooler would have been is he would have been in Rush. <laughs> That's the only thing that, you know, if he would have wow. been in Rush, then like, you know, he would have been a little bit cooler. But that would have been awesome. Off, yeah. Not awesome enough yeah. <clears throat> to be in probably what I put in my top three rock bands of all time. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a little bit of fun today talking about Neil Peart of Rush, the drummer um, and chief lyricist. They wrote with other people, including um, well, Getty wrote lyrics. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they worked, but they wrote with Kim Mitchell. You know yes, I knew Kim, that. Kim Mitchell. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> um, but um, um, but they did. Um, but Neil was the the, the primary primary, the, yeah. the primary lyricist. We're going to be uh, getting into everything Neil Peart today. We are going to do a little, kind of give you like a little bio. Um, it was some maybe some interesting facts you may yes. or may not have known. Mm. We are also going to be uh, doing a quick. I could not get Keith uh, to come on. Oh, that's so, too bad. Um, that would really cool. So we, well, I, neither one of us are drummers. So nope. the part about his most notable drum parts, unfortunately, is probably going to be the shorter part of the uh, presentation sure, today because we're just neither one of us are drum and we love drums. No, and, no, and that's just it. We'll just sit here and go, whoa. <laughs> we can't give any kind of like technical insight or anything. We'll just be like, but but I, but I did I did pull up something from Mercury News uh, on the seven songs that truly show um, Neil Peart's greatness. So we're going right, to kind cool. of give you a little bit of that. As well. So, uh, real quick, uh, the website is Ludini Rock and Roll Circus.com. Lots of fun stuff there, including our uh, podcast archives, our interview archives, our YouTube archives, as well as merchandise and uh, ability to join our inner circle group. So, check that out at Ludini Rock and Roll Circus.com. Download the free app at RockRageRadio.com where you hear great music programming like this and a bunch of other awesome shows. <clears throat> including Hot Licks with Lily Six and a bunch of others. 
rockrageradio.com. Download the free app. Listen to great music programming 24-7. And if you're interested in custom artwork done on your musical instruments, uh, hook up with Chris Thunderwolf Dotson at Wolf's Customs, wolfscustoms.online, or just find them on social media. So that is out of the way. Mr. Pittsburgh is with I us like today. like that. Hey, everybody. Mr. Pittsburgh is here as well. Doing? Um, what did you think when you first heard, <clears throat> we're just going to get into it, uh, yeah. when you first heard the incomparable Neil Peart? I mean, were you even like aware of what you were hearing I remember, I remember being in high school, and uh, you may remember the kid Rob, Rob McConnell, was a huge Rush fan. The hemorrhoid. The hemorrhoid. <laughs> was a huge... Somebody called him that once, and he, the name stuck. Rob, you hemorrhoid! Yeah. So, um, he was a huge Rush fan, and, and I remember he was almost like preachy about it, you know? And one day, he and I were talking, he's like, hey, what's your favorite Rush song? I'm like, what? 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 And so, not your favorite Larry Norman song. No, yeah, 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 which we, yeah, which you, yeah, because we we went to a Christian high school, so everything for us was like uh, contemporary Christian music. And then here's this kid that comes in, the new kid, and he's talking about this band called Rush, which I was familiar with. I'd heard Working Man and stuff like that, but so he brought in all the worlds of stage for me, and I took it home and I listened to it, and I'm like, oh wow, I get it now, right? And part of it was the drums. You know, it wasn't just your... On the floor, straight up rock beats. No, it was all over the place. Because that was like 2112 was on there and stuff like that. And so that's when I was first exposed to Neil and Rush and just completely blown away. I'm like, wow. So thank you, Rob, wherever you are out there, you hemorrhoid. And I say that with love. Yeah. The loving hemorrhoid. Yes, yes. I have a loving hemorrhoid. A loving hemorrhoid. <laughs> Your loving hemorrhoid, Rob. Um, oh, boy. I remember, well, I'm trying to think of how I became aware of Neil Peart. Uh-huh. Exactly. It was a slow thing for me. Um, like, to me, I was just getting into music and I was just sort of devouring everything. Uh-huh. I was just... Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna. This the, we watched a little bit of this yesterday. This guy oh, yeah. it breaks down some of Neil's stuff. So we're gonna. Um, the ver- Anyways, we're getting into. This, but I, uh, I was more of a slower um, thing with me. Um, I think the song. I, I mean, I was very. I became the radio was playing the shit out of Free Will, mm-hmm. Spirit of Radio, sure. Um, the um, closer to the heart. Yep. Working Man. Yeah. And then the album that kind of broke as I was getting into music was Moving Pictures. Yes, that was a that was a new record when I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, then YYZ, uh, Tom Sawyer, and Limelight. Limelight <clears throat> was the first um, song I ever sat down and tried to figure out on the guitar, like uh-huh. on the radio. Yeah, and um, you know. It's funny, you know, the first one is a Rush song. It's a Rush song, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to learn this I, and, song. And over time, getting into, I started to become more and more aware of, um, the, oh, wait a minute, there's, they're, they're jumping into mo- like different time signatures. Right. And doing stuff like that. I'm like, and Rush, so immediately being 
I do at the time I was just getting into being a musician mm-hmm. and learning and things. <clears throat> so I so it was something that I learned right away that was like tough to do. Right. Most rock bands didn't yeah. do. So I was like, okay, and that's that's about the drummer. You, know, mm-hmm. you don't do that mm-hmm. without a kick-ass drummer. Right. So I so I think that's how I started to become aware of the um the, his him as a drummer, right? That, that like, well, this dude's like a really serious cat. <clears throat> now, you guys who are younger, you know, you walked into this, and it was already forty years of Rush or whatever. Exactly, you know what I mean? yeah. But, but they were like a ten-year-old ish band, uh-huh. seven, ten-year-old band when we started. When I started listening to them, so they hadn't been. They weren't like a legacy act yet, right? You know what I mean? Right. Like they could have just easily fizzled out, like a lot of bands. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They could have fizzled out, like Sticks or Ario Speedwagon or um, Lover Boy. <clears throat> you know the other. You know, you know on the charts on the on the on album rock radio at that time. Um, nobody, you know, knew that they were going to go and go and go and, and go, go, and go, and go, and go. For decades. Um, yeah. And I remember being uh, the one of the things I was very aware of because I liked songwriting right away. It was one of my one of the first things I did when I picked up the guitar was tried to write songs <clears throat> in notebooks. I would sit in class and just write lyrics <laughs> and. Um, I remember listening to Rush's lyrics and going like, you know, like so, something like Free Will. I was like, wow. something the guy's like really thinking about. I didn't yeah. understand what he was talking about. Right. But I was like, um, he's this isn't like, ooh, baby, I want to, you know, yeah. you know, you know, you know, I want to hold your glam. Yeah. You know, out of the car, long hair, you know. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. This know, is like know, some this is, real intellectual kind of. Yeah, it wasn't about dancing. Or you know having drinking, you know, drinking or partying. Or, late or partying or anything like that, yeah. or going out with your friends or anything like that. It was they were, they were singing about um, different stuff, and I, which which caught my interest. Also, mm-hmm. being a spiritual person, I was going to a Christian school, <clears throat> and I've always really enjoyed like spirituality and things like that like that made me realize too that these guys are on a higher like they were they could again from the lyrics you could tell they were into right. higher level shit yes um and um and somebody mentioned and I don't know if it was just the offhanded mention by one of the jocks on WDVE or or maybe it was one of you one of you guys at okay. school yeah. said you know and Neil writes all the lyrics the drummer writes all the lyrics mm-hmm. I'm like what? He's not the singer? And no, that was yeah. like, that blew me right, away. Like, blew I thought the singer had to write, I thought it was like a rule. Yeah. The singer had to write the lyrics. Nope. <laughs> so, to me, Neil was a beloved lyricist and songwriter. Like, um, that's the thing that really gets me with, and, and, you know, and I don't mean to be, you know, he's the greatest, arguably the greatest drummer in rock mm-hmm. ever of all time and ever will be uh, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um, he told Ch- Chad um, Smith, is that his name? Yeah, um, Chad Smith. Yeah. Yep. He said, <laughs> Chad, him and Chad Smith were like when he first met Chad Smith, they were talking about John Bonham, and he was going, "Yeah, man." He's still, Chad Smith's like, "Yeah, I just I love Bonham swing." And he goes, "Neil was like, like yeah." He says, "He says Bonham had that great swing." He says, "I have the Canadian swing." <laughs> and, hey, and, and Chad busted out laughing because he was like, "It was a kind of a self-deprecating kind right, of joke." Right? Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, about, dude. You know, um, so. Um, 
if you've ever seen or heard him interviewed or you have heard the what some of the things that are most interesting are listening to people like chad smith and right. uh, dave grohl and different people that met him yeah and you know and became buddies with him Stuart copeland yes his Stuart copeland says that people were came up to him for years and went you know you're my second favorite drummer <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I know who your first is. Okay. You yeah. know. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he was, uh, he was, you know, obviously he was, he did not like the um, spotlight. No. And so that's where the song, we're going to be talking about some lyrics in a little bit here. Limelight, where he just, just talks about his personal feelings mm-hmm, about fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how it's so weird, you know. Um, all right. Yeah, it's I'm weird. Jump in here real quick. Ludini uh, is wrong on this one. Neil actually wrote seven nonfiction books, as well as some fiction books, stories, and has collaborated with uh, another writer or maybe more than one other writers. So just wanted to correct that. I know uh, the Rush Nerd community out there was probably jumping up and down when they heard the four book thing. So uh, we do correct it and get more into a little bit later in the podcast, but I just wanted to make sure that y'all understood that I remember reading one of his books and I because he's done many writer he's the four books he wrote four books yeah 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 and I can't remember which the the title of this particular one but knowing what I know about Neil and how he was uncomfortable with you know being in the spotlight and everything I felt almost dirty reading this book because a lot of it was his personal you know thoughts and 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 you know uh, ideas and things like that and i almost felt like i was invading his space but i, I had to keep reminding myself no neil wrote this he wrote the damn book he wrote it so if it's he didn't okay want you to know about it, he wouldn't have said it's okay he was born on september 12 1952 in hamilton ontario canada hey uh first lived on the family dairy farm near Hagersville, after the family moved to nearby St. Catharines, Neil began drum lessons at age 13, studying with local teacher Don George, then played in a session of rock bands. Early influences were Gene Krupa, yeah. Keith Moon, Mitch Mitchell, Ginger Baker, sure. Michael Gillies, John Bonham, of course, mm-hmm. Michael Sh- uh, Shreve. At 18, he moved to London. And he said he was. He said he went out. And he was seeking fame and fortune, and he found anonymity <laughs> and poverty. There you go. And he says he learned a lot about life. Uh, returning to Canada in '72, Neil began working at his father's farm equipment dealership, playing part-time in local bands. His influences then included Phil Collins, Bill Bruford, and Billy Cobham. In July of '74, he auditioned for an unknown Toronto band and joined Rush on the eve of their very first American release tour. Wow. Um, what some and some of you may not know this, okay? Because we there's folks that are Rush fans that are maybe just getting into Rush or mm-hmm, you know, more mm-hmm. uh, or younger or whatever. Um, Neil is not their first drummer. No, that is correct, sir. He's the new guy. As he's, they, he's, they the, call he's the new guy. Yeah. John Rutsey was the original drummer. John was a diabetic, and they were very concerned about taking him on the road. Right. Um, right. They did not want to have a rock and roll cliche. Oh, the drummer died. Died. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> he wasn't in good health, and. Um, <clears throat> Didn't so, uh, what well, you know? So so you know they put this ready. They do their first album with John, and they break and everything. Then they got to tell the guy you can't tour. Yeah, I mean like it wasn't oh, a happy time. 
Uh, Neil appeared on Rush's second album, Fly By Night, in 75, contributing most of the lyrics as he would uh, throughout their career. It was Rush's fourth album, 2112, released in 1976, that brought the band their first measure of success. They gradually built on that modest popularity with A Farewell to Kings, Hemispheres, and Permanent Waves, then cemented their classic rock status with the enduring favorite, Moving Mm -hmm. Pictures, in 1981. Excuse me, in 1981. Along the way, Rush earned a reputation for their elaborate live shows and became a perennially popular touring band. Over the years, their shows elevated steadily in both production and musical values. Uh, Neil has long been celebrated by other drummers in polls and cited his influences, won numerous awards for the drum in drum magazines uh, for his recorded work, live performances and overall musicianship. The drum solos he performed during uh, the Rush tours were legendary. He and his bandmates are uh, officers of the Order of Canada. There you go. uh, The country's highest civilian honor, as well as recipients of the Governor General's Award, the country's highest artistic honor. Peart and his bandmates were inducted into the Canadian Songwriter Hall of Fame in 2010, yes. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, in, in 2013, yes. and the Percussion Arts Society Hall of Fame in 2020. How about that? <clears throat> 94, um... Uh, he produced a tribute album to Buddy Rich in big band jazz called Burning for Buddy, a tribute to the musical Buddy of Rich, encompassing two volumes. It features many of the most prominent drummers of the day. Never resting on his laurels, Neil began to study formally again in the mid-90s with uh, mm. Freddie Gruber and then again with Peter Erskine in 2008. So this is a guy who's like already probably the biggest badass in uh-huh. rock and, as far as drums go. Yeah. And he's taking lessons he's taking lessons that's amazing <clears throat> that's amazing the golfer tiger woods <clears throat> who at one point was considered the world's greatest golfer i don't know if he uh-huh. still is has something like 13 coaches really you know it's how you get good yeah yeah <laughs> you got people going like no no that swing no, is no. Wrong. try no, this do that right Think, you know what there i mean you, go. you yes. can't help but get good doing shit like that uh, the value of a uh, good education guys mm-hmm um, he's uh, released two instructional DVDs, a work in progress in 96 on the subject of composing and recording drum parts and anatomy of a drum solo in 2005. 2011, Hudson Music released uh, Taking Center Stage, a lifetime of live performance on the subject of drumming live for more than four decades. He was also accomplished writer. Yes. He published six nonfiction books. Far and wide, bring that to the bring that horizon to me. Far and near, old days like these. Far and away, a prize every time. And masked riders cycling in West Africa, ghost riders, yeah. travelers on the healing road, traveling music, the soundtrack to my life and times, and road show landscape with drums, a concert tour by motorcycle. His final book, Silver Surfers, Sur- uh, Silver Surfers, is being published posthumously oh, by Insight Editions. In 2023, okay. yeah, I did hear that he, there was another book in the works. Okay. Uh, he also co-authored three novels with science fiction author Kevin J. Anderson, based on the steampunk fantasy universe of Russia's latest last studio album, Clockwork mm-hmm. Angels, Clockwork Lives, and Clockwork Destiny. 
plotted during his last years, published posthumously, there's that great word again, uh-huh. released in June uh, 14th of 2022. Uh, the two also wrote the dark fantasy novella Drumbeats, inspired by Neil's travels in Africa. Okay. Boy, those all sound absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and I did not know, I knew about his nonfiction right. um, stuff. Um <clears throat> Um, following the end of the uh, R40 tour that was a 40 year anniversary tour yeah. Neil announced his retirement from music and settled into a quiet home life with his wife Carrie and their beloved daughter Olivia uh, he enjoyed uh, his time writing uh, and driving his classic cars volunteering at Olivia's school spending time with friends and family and especially enjoying time at his favorite place in the world his lake house in Quebec sadly only one year after retirement Neil was diagnosed with uh, say that geoblastoma word. Geoblastoma. Geoblastoma, an aggressive form of brain Uh. cancer, passed away in his home in Santa Monica three and a half years later on January 7th of 2020. Wow. uh, He was an accomplished cyclist. Yes. Um, One of the things that he did to keep his sanity (laughs) while on tour, because this is one of those things that all every band talks about how they just like they can't they get sick of each other. They're right so much was he wouldn't he stopped riding with the guys uh, unless there was something like maybe the weather was super bad. Right. right, But as much as he could, he travel on a by motorcycle by motorcycle from, while they from were on tour. show to show yeah, yeah exactly and um you know he's talked many times about like what a sort of cathartic thing that mm-hmm, was and mm-hmm. he was i saw him and I, I don't know if you and i were watching but he was somebody was asking well do you have headphones and he goes no he says he says i have an internal jukebox yeah and like yeah. and he says and as i counter different things i will a song will just come up mm-hmm. and i can like hear it in my head I think he talked about Riders on the Storm by um, by the Doors and some different things like that. Um, as he was traveling around, these things would these things would uh, would come into his mind, and he would, you know, sort of you know just kind of hear them. Um, next level shit, right? Right. Um, well, I think uh, you know we were talking about in. the uh, the motorcycle, uh, him riding. I think a lot of that came from. Um, well, t- well, you know, toward the end uh, of of Rush, a lot of that came from uh, after his wife Jackie died. Um, if you remember, um, oh my gosh, hold on here. It was a car accident, right? The uh, no, well, actually, that was his daughter. Okay, uh, and that's what I was trying to but find. His, his wife died later, right? Yes, yes. His daughter was killed. So this is this this poor guy. His wife, his daughter dies. She's nineteen years old. Yeah, and then ten months later, his wife dies. Yeah. So just imagine that kind of grief. And well, he Rush didn't do anything for what about four years? Five years. Five years. Yeah, they didn't do anything. Yeah. And they just and, let him be. And uh, Getty and Alex just let him. They were like, "That's our brother, and he's got to heal." You know, we're fine. Exactly. You know, we're 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 good. Like you know, we don't need to do anything. I mean, really, at that point, you know. And also, I I don't know the finances of Rush, but I never got the impression that I never heard any big like court battles. With right. Right. I'm suing like, you. Yeah. Like I never heard anything like yeah. that with him. I so here's what I think happened. I think a lot. I think I think <laughs> the industry underestimated them. Uh-huh. And I thought like, nah, we're not going to buy their publishing. Like you know what? It's not right. Fine. You right. can have it. This is you know really. So they yeah, these guys, it. yeah, these guys. Will be, these guys will be around for a couple years. 
years. Nobody's going to remember them. That's it. And, you know, I think that they, you know, they laughed all the way to the fucking bank. Good for them. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. <laughs> there's a lot of rock and roll stories that do not go that way. Exactly. Uh, but this is from uh, Five Things You Might Not Know About Neil Peart. Okay. From uh, uh, I Love Classic Rock.com. Sounds mm-hmm. like it's a great website. You should check it out. Uh, he always had a penchant for drumming, even with household things. <laughs> uh, was so interested in tapping his two hands to anything that produces sounds, particularly with the use of chopsticks. So they went oh. to Ch- the story I heard was they went to eat Chinese and he just would not give the chopsticks back. Yeah. And he turned them into drum sticks Little until drumsticks. his folks broke down and got him drumsticks and a practice pad. That's great. You know, um, and he, yeah, so he, he, on his 13th birthday, but he just, you yeah. know, he divided, it was, he, he like, he's even, it's so funny, like a little something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, that, that dinner, you guys took him to uh, the Chinese. Right. He that held those two world. little, yeah. The change fucking rock he held history. those two little chopsticks in his hand. Yeah. And he's like, so all because of a couple of pairs. Those are things that are just, I find so freaking fascinating. Yes. Um, we just talked about this. He did go to England at yes. a young Looking age. for fortune and fame. And, you know, um, <laughs> you know, it's fine. I don't know if you've ever read, um, um, oh, it's a really famous novel. Yes, yes. Um, Paolo, Paolo Colo, Paolo Cello. Uh, hold on a second. Let me find it here. I'm sorry, guys. Talks amongst yourselves for a little bit while we look this stuff up. No, that's not it. No? Uh, it's a really good novel. It, it is... Um... Yeah, that's Arius. Arius. Okay. Uh, how would you say that? Colo? Paula Colo? Sure. Colo? See. And the book, the book, The Alchemist. I'm sorry. Just oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you read the book, the Al- the Alchemist, it's like that's the story of the Alchemist. This guy goes around the world to find what he's looking for, and he ends up going home. Going home, and that's was right exactly. where it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, the whole time. Yeah. Um, the Alchemist. Yeah, by Paolo Colo. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yes. Yes. I I do edit things out of the podcast, and I had to do that uh, a month ago for something. Yeah. But rarely. I probably. I'm, I. This is the kind of thing I would say I will edit, but I probably won't. Yeah. 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 Um. Uh, he he played uh, the butt end of the drumsticks. So the drumsticks, anybody knows anything about drumsticks? Oh, really? Drumsticks have like a little tip on them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he t- would turn them around. Uh, he did that initially because if they would break, he was so, they were didn't have a lot of money. Right. You know what I mean? He would wrap tape around them and just play from the other, turn around and play okay. on, the other, on the other side. Wow. But, um... He just kind of got in the habit of doing it. And it also gives you like a, a heavier sound. Oh, like, sure. Another guy famous for that, and a lot of drummers do that, John Bonham. Yeah. That was, that yep. was part of his yep. sound, for sure. Yep. Uh, and as we mentioned, he is, um, he's authored seven nonfiction books and four fictional books. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, and I have another one here. I have another one here. Yeah. Five key facts about Neil Peart. Okay. And this is from. Sometimes it's so interesting what different sites and people with right they consider for they they focus on. You know what right. I mean? We all have our focus. This is from Drum Addict uh, Official. Okay. Okay. Uh, the fact number one: nine times named best rock drummer. Uh, oh, okay. One of the best sure. drummers, uh, and he was uh, nine times: 1980, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86. Uh, 2006, 2008, Neil was a drummer of 
drummer for the drummer, loved by his friends. He won the prize, Modern Drummer Magazine. So that's what it was. He won a prize, won the prize in Modern Drummer Magazine from the readers thirty eight times. Holy free, holy. You know, I mean, like he was, a, he was, a, you know, he, he was. People he's must in a class have liked by him. himself. He liked, they liked him. They liked him, but he's in a class by himself. Yeah. And so, there's nobody that really did. Like, I get it. Yeah, I mean, you, there's a lot of people said, well, you know, Bill Bruford, you know, um, uh, who else? Bill, Bru- Bill, uh, Bill Bruford. Uh, uh, what's his name? Danny Carey from Tool. Okay. Um, you know, you know, yeah. or, or you know, maybe Stuart Copeland. Sure. Um, but um, even Neil, he, what he was doing was different. Mm-hmm. I think too was a different band. I mean, Rush is really unusual band. You very much they so. Don't, they don't yeah, really they don't follow you, any yeah, template. They, they, yeah, I mean, like yeah. you know, they were a so-called power trio. Mm-hmm. They sound like nothing like the Jimi Hendrix Experience or mm-hmm. Cream. You know, they really are. But in any case, um, uh, the youngest drummer ever entered into Modern Drummer Hall of Fame. Oh my! In 1983, he was inducted to the Hall of Fame. Right, he hadn't wow. been in Rush. He was in Rush nine years at this point. <laughs> hadn't been in Rush ten years, and he was inducted. Yeah. He was in Modern Drummer Hall of Fame in 1983. My gosh. I don't know what this sentence means. Started Curry? That uh, That doesn't uh, make sense. That's a British, en dot drumsofficial.com. It's a British site. And it probably means that like... He was filling in. He was, yeah, like or he yeah, got the gig. I think it yeah, is. He got the yeah. gig with Rush in 1974. Yes, we did mention that he is a re- he's the new guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they still, after 40 some years, they still referred to him as the new guy. And it's funny when you would see like there's I forget what DVD it's on, but the three of them get together for a uh, dinner, and and uh, it's just weird because Getty. And Alex have been friends since the get-go. And Neil, you know, in air quotes, is the new guy. But there were some times in the conversation where it seemed like Neil was like kind of out of out of the loop. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and they teased him for it, you know? But he, he, it was, you can say there was, like, there was such brotherly love there. But even like 40-some years later... You know, they're still like teasing him about being the new guy. But yeah, it's very interesting. Those are, you know, I mean, there aren't a lot of bands like that. We're going to do a no. podcast on bands that like, because so many bands, you know, like nobody, so this guy's suing that guy. Nobody can get along, they got, yeah. you know, yeah. and everything. And you can hear you got a band of three guys that like seem to absolutely love each yeah. other. Yeah, They exactly. spend all their time All together. their time together on the when road. they're not on yeah. stores hanging out together you know, with their families and stuff like that. Oh it's kind of funny. Um, That's funny. Um, there was something else I wanted to mention about Neil Peart um, before I hung up the phone here, and I can't remember oh what it was. It's so far, n- none of us have mentioned it, and it wasn't mentioned in any of these darn things. And my brain just... Ding! Yeah. yeah. Crashing brain! Brain! Well, we watched... Uh, you and I watched a... Um there you go. Did it come back? <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. That's what yeah. brought it back. Yeah, you and I watched the video. Uh, basically, um, I forget who who was who was the guy that did it. Uh, let's see here. Hold on, we're gonna pull this up. But it was interesting oh, because yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the genius of Neil Pert. Um, 
but it was kind of interesting to see like an overhead shot of Neo playing because every limb is doing something different. Do you know what I mean? And I heard a, I, I can't remember the name of the podcast or, or what the podcast was about, but they talked about drummers and how drummers' brains are wired differently. Like you and I, we play guitar, guitar and bass. So our brains are wired that the left hand and the right hand communicate. And whatever the right hand is doing, the left hand has to respond, right? Okay. It's not like that with drummers, especially Neil. Because I remember watching the one, the, 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 it might have been that right there, the overhead shot that we're looking right. at. Um, this, is, uh, this guy on Drumeo breaks down Neil's playing yeah. into a couple of different seg- segments. Uh, the Inventor, the Designer, mm-hmm. and this is a little segment the called The Virtuoso. So we're going to go ahead and mute the Dirty Blues for a second and... Goatee, uh, era yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I think we would all agree that Neil was one of the most technically proficient drummers of all time. Yes, we And he proved mm-hmm. that to us over his 40 years that he was playing with Rush. Now, back in the 70s, he was already playing some really intricate grooves and patterns on tracks like 2112 and La Via Strangiato. Let's check out one of these from the song 2112 in the overture section, and then we'll break down exactly what Neil was playing. And then uh, this gentleman... Well, actually, sit there and play it for you. Moving forward to the yeah. 90s, we're still seeing Neil push the boundaries of his drumming on tracks like Bravado from Roll the Bones. <clears throat> Now, the outro on this track in particular is an absolute nightmare in terms of independence. And when you watch Neil play this, you'll see his left hand move between the hi-hats, the floor tom, and the snare. His right hand is going between the bell of the ride, down to the floor tom, sometimes playing up to the crashes. It's just ridiculous. Fucking stupid! Yeah, it's it's crazy to watch, because each limb is independently doing something. And yet his brain is keeping track of all all that. We can't not mention Neil's incredible double bass playing. You can hear this all the way back on the Fly By Night record on tracks like Anthem and on a ton of other records throughout Rush's career. But I think we can all agree that the song One Little Victory from Vapor Trails is where Neil truly (laughs) showcases his double bass playing. Interesting, fun very, stuff. Very I crazy. You know, wow. just to listen to that. Next, we're looking at Neil as an explorer. Now, any of you who are familiar with Neil's playing know that he wasn't only interested in the actual drum kit. He was interested in... Right. This was another thing we could talk about is, you know, his pioneering use of... Um, extraneous instruments, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. just uh, percussion, percussion yeah. but he used uh, he would trigger different sounds, and emulators, and things like yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So you know, you know, I, and I believe too this was 
um, you know, this was probably, he was probably uh, influenced to do this by Getty Lee, mm-hmm. who's bringing, they starts to bring in synthesizers and everything. Right. You know, um, excuse me. Um, to the sound and everything. So, but yeah, Neil, Neil was, he's doing all sorts of things. Oh yeah. Um, was that the sort of like how he, what he settled on, right, Kevin, with, uh, uh, one kit facing forward and one kit. Right, and right. he would turn around to do the other stuff and yep. then he would, yeah, yeah. you know, swivel one, around. One kit would be more acoustic while the other one was more electronic, uh, different emulators and things like that. Very, very cool stuff. His, his drum solos. <laughs> were like complete songs because he had all this other stuff that he would incorporate in truth with the triggers and things like that very cool truth very true yes truth. yes you speak you speak the truth i Ruth. do i do speak the truth um. okay let's go let's move on to some yes. stuff we started we're starting to get in talking about his actual drumming gear for a bit so yes let's um this is a fun little um article this is from Mercury News. Seven songs that truly show the Rush drummer's greatness. Okay. Um, number one, Y, Y, Z. Z. Or if you're from Toronto, Z. Z. Y, Y, Z. Yeah. Is that like... um? I always thought when people said Z, it was like the same kind of people that put the line through the seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's more of a European or, or even like a French Canadian Z. Well, you know what they say, Kevin? A through Z. If you're American in the living room, yeah, when you go into the bathroom, European. That's correct, sir. That's free will. That's, That's not, not Y Y Z. Somebody lied to it. Okay, here we go. There we go. Then there's this little. Uh huh. I know those. I'm going to bell things. I know that's wrong. Kate Keys would slap me. <laughs> it's a fucking instrumental, and the and the crowd is losing their minds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're not singing along with it. They're playing air guitar, yeah, like air, air bass, air drums. This yeah. is this is the thing about band. This is the only band I know that everybody, everybody air drums to. Every other yeah. band people play air guitar to. Yep. Everybody air drums to Rush. Exactly. That caused me ear strain and eye strain. <laughs> okay, um, amazing track. Here's one that isn't not isn't not nearly as popular. Uh, Jacob's Ladder. Yes. Welcome to the second half. Thank you. On the precipice of the seventies. This is not 
a song of theirs that I've heard of, but yeah. I'm not familiar with the song. What's that? You don't Jack, know? Jacob's Ladder. I'm not oh, I, I'm very familiar with it. Yeah. it about this tour did they like play like their whole career like was it they, the um this is oh, this is from r40 r40 i'm trying to remember because there's so many and i i have a lot of the dvds um what was their last tour on dvd where they basically went back in time well that's what he said he said we're going back into the 70s yeah we're taking you through the 70s that's what getty said when they started yeah it wasn't r40 it was the one after that okay. i believe r 70. <laughs> um, here's a little ditty you might know. Sure. Okay. A little. So far, the drums are awesome. <laughs> there we go. That's better. So this this is titled. <laughs> yes. The title's great. Cygnus X1 Book 1 The Voyage There you go <laughs> It's catchy Yeah like knew, They knew immediately That this was going to be on you know, Oh case this is going to be a pop And now here's pop the, the latest song By the band Canadian band Rush They originally started out As a three piece Back in 72 <laughs> But before they could go on tour They lost their drummer That's when Neil Peart came in And changed everything Here's their latest song Cygnus X1 Book 1 The Voyage On American <laughs> Top 40 now it's time for special uh, request dedication. Dear Casey. <laughs> the um you can kind like they were never like an any kind of by any means an overtly political band at all. No, but the, the <laughs> I think that their songs are subversively political in a lot of ways. I think mm-hmm. the free will is like subversively sure. political. I think Tom Sawyer is where he says, you know, no, his mind is not for rent to any god or government. Sure, um, but the, I always love. <laughs> The cover, the cover to of the Kings, like always cracked me up because you like first like you come you you're climbing through in records uh-huh. and Rush's covers a lot of times really were really yeah, cool. Very They're interesting. Eye, yes, yes. You know, and so you see this sort of like um, like maybe post um, nuclear explosion right, or right. bombing. You know, um, you know could even be a, a bombed out. Dresden, you know, after World uh-huh. War Two or yeah, something, yeah. you know what I mean? And uh, but the the sky is crystal blue. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just it is this weird thing. <laughs> so it's not like a gray, grimy sky. It's this beautiful blue sky with nice, serious clouds. And the king, there's a guy on a throne, and he's all jacked up, and he's good, and he looks, he's dead probably, yeah, yeah. but he's got like a kind of a goofy smile on his face. <laughs> um, you know, and the album is called A Farewell to Farewell Kings. To kings. And you can kind of say like, this is sort of what we think of government. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they fuck everything up. Fuck you. 
it's definitely not, you know, um, Refugee by Tom Petty. No, no, no. Okay, there was, there was, right? It was mixed meter. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, Did yep. Get it? See? Yeah. 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 So it's like a it's like a three and four and seven, crazy. you know, something like that. Um Le Vie Estrange Hotel. Oh boy. <laughs> Strap in. It is so crazy. He's a crazy it's not French. I don't know I'm saying that. Levia. Levia is uh, Levia. Like Spanish or Italian? It's, uh, it sounds Italiano. Yes. The villa the strange villa. That's yep. really what it means. Yes. This is hemispheres. Wait, another really interesting. Yeah, that's that's hemispheres. That's there. hemispheres. I'm sorry. That's okay. They've got these. Got these the, are all the jacked up. They're all the jacked up okay, on yes. this. This is Cygnus site. book uh, X one book yes. two from. <laughs> oh we'll get to Livia. I'm going. That does not sound like Livia's Trangiano. Livia Loca. You know these two records. Um, you know they they came. I believe they came out at seventy eight and seventy nine. Yeah, yeah, or something like that. Um, seventy seven and seventy eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hemispheres is a great cover too. And uh, th- is this the origin? Is this the first time we see the naked guy? I think it is. Um, and then there's the clothed guy, and the idea there's the idea that like we where there's different hemispheres of the brain. I think that they were taking you know, they were into the symbology of that right which is like right. we have a dual nature exactly you know and then the one side is on the one side of the brain you've got the um the, the free, free totally free, free. He's just free. kind of like yep. frolicking you know naked and the other guy is like very like he's made up to the nines <laughs> he's even got the little cane uh-huh, or something, uh-huh. you know, the like bowler hat yeah yes yes Locking in at 18 minutes, oh, 10 seconds. This is the longest song on the countdown this week. I remember reading an wow. interview in Guitar Player Magazine with Alex Lifeson, uh-huh. um, and they were asking, like, you know, you know, Russia's music is so complicated, and it was either six Cygnus X one or Cygnus a uh, Cygnus X one book two uh-huh. of them that he was talking about how like it like when they first learned it that like it always took like all of his concentration he says right he says now i can play it while watching the prices right and eating like, <laughs> like, i just yeah, i just yeah. i'm just wired to it um so this is okay i see right, so okay here we go. they're putting the see. titles above the videos and uh, okay now here we go crazy. here is levia strangiato or the strange villa yes this is such a cool jam Only 10 minutes, 12 seconds. Oh, that's it. It's a short one. (laughs) 
We are going to bump. That's the party right now. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's the instrumental thing you sing along with. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now this one is not instrumental. Nope. Not one damn. Iota. And everything about this is amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so those are some of Neil's highlights in terms of his drumming. Like as we talked earlier, though, and I ha- I I can't believe I made this faux pas. Yes, he did not write that. Oh he wasn't my in the god, band fix that! <clears throat> but we will do something from Fly By Night. We'll do Anthem or something. Um, but I, I I don't let's see here. Um, <laughs> Okay. All right. 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 All Whoa. Though it seems to be steeped in meaning, according to Neil Peart, there is no meaning in the song at all. <laughs> really? We're talking about the trees. What? By Rush. Yes. And it is the trees. Uh, when asked in uh, uh, Modern Drummer magazine about the, the message of the song, he said, no, it was just a flash. I was working on an entirely different thing when I saw a cartoon picture of these trees car- <laughs> carrying on like fools, and I thought, what if trees acted like people? So I saw it as a, as a cartoon, really, and wrote it that way. I think that's the image that it conjures up to listener or reader, a very simple statement. Huh. Um, and, you know, when you read it like that, when you hear it like that, you go like, it's one of those things that could make you go... Huh. Oh, <laughs> because yeah. now you feel kind of stupid um, because For you're just reading so much reading, into that. I'm like, OK, because I know like Neil was really big into um, what was her name? Uh, Ayn Rand. Yep. Who fled communist Russia. Yes. But the song kind of has a communist kind of. Sure. Uh, uh, you know, sort of set up there. You know what I mean? With yes. All, yes. The trees are all kept equal by hatchet, axe, and saw uh-huh. and everything. And I, um, you know, but it's nothing like that at all. It's a kind of, <laughs> he was being silly. And it's so funny because wow. I had an argument one time with a drummer of all people. It's the uh-huh. only drummer I ever met that did not like Neil Peart. Why? Because he thought that the lyrics were stupid. And he was talking specifically, he, he'd launch into this thing about the trees, like how pretentious it was. And everything. <laughs> it wasn't pretentious at all. It was a joke. It's just a joke. It's just a joke, isn't it? <laughs> It's like no, we were we were just playing. I don't know. I just thought it was something wow, silly. Wow, I didn't even you know, know that. Sometimes, like this, go. This is what's the lesson here? Yes, connecting too many dots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is why one of the reasons why the world is in such fucked up. People connect too many goddamn dots. Yes. You see one little thing. He's a racist. <laughs> no, down. no. Calm down. 
Simma? We just got to like Down run now. off to something. You know, you're all of a sudden you're over here. You know, it's like squirrel. You know, people who say that ADD isn't real. We have like cultural ADD. <laughs> we have oh to like, you know, anyways. But um, we want to, what I want to do is talk about, I just want to kind of give, because I think the lyrics are fun and beautiful and mm-hmm, I always love it. Mm-hmm. There is unrest in the forest. Now, see, now that I'm realizing that the song is a joke, this is all way better. Yeah. It's yeah. like, all of a sudden, it's like, ah, uh, okay, this is actually it's way cooler. Right. It's like next yes. level cooler. There's unrest in the, and you like, and you think about the melody, it's almost kind of uh-huh. a joke, right? Yeah. There is unrest in the forest. Is very, there yeah. is trouble very with the tree. Like, it's like a Judy Collins, yes, or, like yes. a, or a Broadway musical right, kind of thing right. or something, you know what I mean? Something that, like, something that, like, Eric Idle would be prancing right. around in a tutu <laughs> singing or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yes. Um, and they would love that. They would probably uh-huh. be like, yes, you get yes, it. Yes, you get it. You understand. There is unrest in the forest. Forest, there's trouble with the trees for the maples want more sunlight and the oaks ignore their pleas uh, the trouble with the maples and they're quite convinced they're right they say the oaks are just too lofty and they grab up all the light <laughs> but the oaks can't help their feelings if they like the way they're made and they wonder why the maples can't be happy in their shade there is trouble in the forest and the creatures all have fled the maples scream oppression and the oaks just shake their heads. Mm-hmm. So the maples formed a union and demanded equal rights. Yep. <laughs> the oaks are just too greedy. We will make them give us light. Now there's no more oak oppression. For they passed a noble law. And trees are all kept equal by hatchet, axe, and saw. Yeah. It really reads like a kind of a kid's nursery yeah, rhyme. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's brilliant. That is so funny. <laughs> And like, and, and so say you would illustrate this with like, like illustrations you would see in maybe like a, you know, intro to poetry in eighth grade, right, right. or maybe even younger than that, uh-huh. you know, really kind of like, and all of a sudden it becomes like really cool. Yes. Not that it wasn't cool before, but like it, like no, the weight I, okay. of having to think of it, yeah. I guess, in terms of some kind of message. The very, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it's just the beauty of the lyrics and the sort of fun of the rhyme. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? The rhyme is kind of fun. Just because they're playing heavy rock music doesn't mean that they, they're not, they can't be like lighthearted. Exactly. See, we're all taking everything too seriously. Simmer down now. I say that every day when I, I wake know, up in do. the morning. Nobody listens. I know. What's wrong? I'm going to, we're going to completely... Uh, switch directions okay um i really you know rush was not known for their big romantic songs sure about you know romantic love yes however um i i they have at least one that i absolutely love okay and um is is from um an album that they did that i just thought was so cool it was i always considered this is rush's return to rock and roll Mm -hmm. and it's called an album they did called counterparts and famously alex went into the studio and the producer refused to let him bring his pedal board right they took his pedal board away said we're just plugging you into amps and cranking them way up and they played like a rock band i mean they're kind of like they're kind of like cream on this they're kind of almost like back like like their first album in a way except imagine if like neil was on the first album right exactly you know what i mean it has that kind of like again no there's no i don't even think there's a keyboard on the whole record Hmm. um but uh we wrote the song uh we rewrote the song quite a bit, and thankfully, uh, Peter Collins' presence pulled that song together. He came in and pointed out certain strengths in the previous version of the songs we had, and he really helped us reorganize that song. It wasn't until he got there, I think, that we finally locked in on a f- 
uh, in on a feel for those verses that enabled Alex to play those great kind of steel guitar lines and steel-like guitar lines that he's playing, enabled me to open up harmonically. I was having trouble with the verses. You know, it's a tough song when you're dealing with the issue of male-female relationships, which is such a foreign subject. <laughs> Um, for us to deal with in a song, you want to make sure it doesn't sound trite or a hackneyed or you're not, you know, uh, just, you know, doing it like another song about relationships. Who needs that? Right. Uh, it took us a while to get in the right mood and I was really happy with the mood we ended up with. Neil, um, in cold fire, I have a, I have a woman speaking to the man and she's smarter than he is. It was difficult, technical challenge lyrically. Uh, but those are the kind of things that now after all these years, you can start to feel, feel you have the craft to take on. I don't mind writing about love now where I would have avoided that in uh, previous years just because of the inability to get beyond the cliches. Um, <clears throat> well said. And this is one of those songs that is about, a, it's got the, ro- the romantic thing going on, but it's Rush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not gonna, you know, um, it's cold fire. It's such a cold fire. It's a cold fire. It's a cold fire. So again, now we're, now we're in a kind of chanty, Mm. rock and roll typical rock and roll kind mm-hmm, of, kind of mm-hmm. chor- chorus thing there okay it was a long it was long after midnight when we got to unconditional love she said sure my heart is boundless but don't push my limits too far I said if love is so transcendent I don't understand these boundaries she said just don't disappoint me you know how complex women are Interesting. Um, mm. and I think too that like there's a little humor in that yep i'll be around if you don't let me down too far i'll be around if you don't let me down <clears throat> it was just before sunrise so in other words what's going on what i always thought the song was this is a couple that is like having a lo- like they're staying up all night talking about their relationship mm-hmm. okay it was just before sunrise when she started on traditional roles she said sure i'll be your partner but don't make too many demands i said if love has these conditions i don't understand those songs you love she said that's not a love song it's this isn't a fantasy land. Mm. This is not a love song. This isn't a fantasy land. So in other words, um, I think too that like, there's maybe, you know, without reading too much into it, you know, there's sort of this idea that like, we are, we take that, these love songs and romantic stories and everything right. like, way too seriously. That's exactly. actually not how it goes. And I think that women know that. Uh huh. They, they know that that's a fantasy. Sure. You know, a lot of them, do. at least this woman does. A don't go too far. A phosphorescent wave on a tropical sea is a cold fire. Don't cross the line. The pattern of moonlight on the bedroom floor is a cold fire. Don't let me down. The flame, <clears throat> the flame at the heart of a pawnbroker's diamond is a cold fire. Don't break the spell. The look on your eyes as your head for the door is a cold fire. Mm. Um, cool song. Just com- now completely different, yeah. right? Than the trays. Yeah. You know, we're in a whole different. You know, different world. Um, we can't do this without talking about Red sure. Red Barquetta. Red Barquetta. Uh, futuristic song about a farmer who keeps a red uh, Barquetta in his barn, even after motors are motor laws are uh, motor cars are outlawed. Um, this kid comes, takes the car for a ride, and ends up being chased um, by the police. Assume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a classic example of a car built for speed, hot rod made by Ferrari. Um, this song is super fun because, um, you know, 
we got just got done talking about how Rush doesn't write about the typical subjects, but right. what's more rock and roll than, than a, a car? A hot rod car. Than a hot rod car, I yeah. mean, you know. What what's, what did Chuck, Chuck Berry say? I saw her coming down the street in a coffee-colored Cadillac. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen says, I'd never seen a coffee-colored Cadillac. But I knew exactly what it was. Exactly. Exactly. When he said, when Chuck Berry said it, that's the power of rock and roll. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, for all you Rush nerds out there, I think that this is the kind of nerd anthem, isn't it? Subdivisions. Yeah, oh, for definitely. For everybody who kind of feels like, you yes, know. I'm they, an outcast. You know, yeah, I'm an outcast. I don't quite fit yeah. in. It's probably actually a lot of jocks mm. and, and um, you know, people who feel this oh, way yeah, as well. They're, yeah. they're just they're just compensating. But um, Rush's rich, 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 uh-huh. drummer and lyricist Neil Peart said the song is an exploration of the background from which all of us and probably most of our audience have sprung. Pro grew up reading adventure stories and science fiction. For him, were an escape from the confines of suburbia. As he got older, he took full advantage of his freedom, embracing travel, exploring new cultures. Uh, this song marked a turning point for Peart, whose uh, early Rush lyrics were based on fantasy. I didn't believe yet that I could put something real into a song, he told Rolling Stone. Subdivisions happened to be an anthem for a lot of people who grew up under those circumstances. And from then on, I realized what most I wanted to put in a song was human experience. Yes, yes. So, you know, he's a, he's a fucking songwriter, guys. Like, you know... The drum thing, that was, you know, that was a phase. That was a fad. I don't want to call her. I don't want to tell them this. I don't want to tell them this. I don't want to, I don't want to tell Neil this, but that, that whole drumming thing, yeah. you know. Lyrics yeah. is where it's at. That lyric. <laughs> um, Tom Sawyer, of course. Um, maybe people today, do people today know, Mr. Pittsburgh? I don't know. Do they know the adventures of Tom Sawyer? I don't know. I don't think so. I bet you there are more people familiar with this song than with the actual story of Tom Sawyer. <laughs> it is um, in 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 the book. Tom finds his way into different uh, all kind of different adventures and mishaps. Sure. Uh, throughout the novel, Tom matures and experiences many rites of passage. Due to culture and social changes, some public schools copies have been edited, removing certain parts that were oh, deemed brother. offensive. Please, um, honky, please. <laughs> honky please literally <laughs> yeah it literally exactly you know honky's running around doing all kind of things because they're afraid of black people mm-hmm. i think what they realize is that you know black guys sticks are just too fucking big and they can't compete with <laughs> is that, that what it is so they're like so they're like bowing into submission at the giant black cock i did not know that. that's that's really what it's you heard it here first what it's all about man There's opinions nothing... expressed on the yeah. ludini russian rule. Yeah, well i mean a lot of <laughs> a lot of black people hate as much as they hate like a a bigot they uh-huh. think that like those people are like the worst yeah they're the most douchiest to be yeah, able to run around exactly. and try to kiss black people's ass uh-huh. um in a um 85 backstage club newsletter do you remember so before there was the internet guys yes. you, you subscribed the newsletters yeah and i'm sure there was more than one rush newsletter i'm sure i'm sure you know uh tom uh, neil pierce said tom sawyer was a collaboration between myself and pile I do. There's Pi, yeah. Uh, uh, excellent lyricist who wrote lyrics for Max Webster. Uh, his original lyrics were kind of a portrait of modern day rebel, a free spirit individualist striding through the world wide eyed and purposeful. I added the themes of reconciling the boy and man and myself and the difference between uh, what people are and what others perceive them to be, uh, namely me, I guess. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so. Um, 
there's it's been used in some movies and stuff like that. Sure. I guess um they performed it on the Colbert Report. You know, that uh-huh, was a very famous uh-huh, thing that yes. they did. But let's go take a quick look at the at the lyrics um for this song. Um a modern day warrior, mm-hmm. mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Uh, though his mind is not for rent, don't put him down as arrogant. He's reserve, a quiet defense. So he's reserved that, but that's a mm-hmm. kind of just a quiet defense. Spy, yeah. a riding out the day's events, the river. So I guess, you know, Tom Sawyer is with where they get to the Mississippi River, if I remember. I can't I think remember. So, yes. Um, so he's instead of riding down the Mississippi River. Today's Tom Sawyer is riding out the day's events. Oh. Okay. okay. What you say about his company is what you say about society. Catch the mist, catch the myth, catch the mystery, catch the drift. Mm. Um, I kind, I always sort of, this always sounded completely drug-induced, this part. Okay. <laughs> There's something about, you know, like, catch the mystery, catch the myth, catch the mystery, catch, catch the, the drift. drift. Yeah, dude. Come on, man, catch it. Catch your pies with Raj. <laughs> the, wor- the world is, the world is, love and life are deep, maybe as the skies are wide. Today's Tom Sawyer, he gets high on you, and the space he invades, he gets by on you. No. No. That, it's those the space, are wrong. Invader space invaders. Space invaders, yeah. No, his mind is not for rent to any god or government. Always hope for your discontent. Uh, always hopeful. I, I see. I have the lyrics wrong. Mm-hmm. It's always hopeful yet discontent. Yes. So in other words, um, he's you know he's got trying to have a good yeah, attitude, even but, though he's like, eh, this yeah. kind of sucks. He knows changes aren't permanent, but change is. Mm. It's, it's it's heavy shit, right? Yes. Like changes aren't permanent, but some it's all uh, that yeah, yeah, what's, what's things the, are going to change. What's the um. <clears throat> the saying, uh, the only constant in the change is the only constant in the universe or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. What you say about his company is what you say about society. Mm. Catch the witness, catch the wit, catch the spirit, catch the spit. The world is, the world is, love and life are deep, maybe as his eyes are wide. Exit the warrior, today's Tom Sawyer. He gets high on you and the energy you trade. He gets right on to the, the friction, friction of, of the, the day. day. Brilliant. Absolutely. Brilliant. Brilliant. I dare say. Bully. Bully good. Bully, <laughs> bully good, Just you say. Bully. This musical interlude is brought to you by Rush. There is nothing about the lyrics here, but I'm going to take a look. Witch Hunt, because this is a song that, like, every so many years becomes incredibly relevant. Yes. Yes. And, like, you know. Yeah, we we calm down with the witch hunts, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, then uh, then and, and you know, it 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 has a great um, like the way they do it and everything is mm-hmm. is is fantastic. Um, uh, the night is black without a moon. The air is thick and still. The vigilantes gather on uh, the lonely torchlit hill. The lo- the vigilantes gather on the lonely lonely torchlit hill. I'm reading mm. them like lyrics and it's actually written like this. Yeah. The night is black without a moon. The air is thick and still. The vigilantes gather on the lonely torchlit 
hill. That's how it's supposed to flow. I apologize. I That's fucked right. it up. Jeez. Um, you know, I'm trying. I'm looking at getting a gig reading audiobooks for Audible. <laughs> I am. I think I'll be good at it. I just can't be partying while I do it. That's, no, that's, that's just it. I was going to say, yes. We're partying here. Yeah, 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 time, yeah. You know, I am. <laughs> just, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, features distorted in the flickering light. Faces are twisted and grotesque. Silent and stern in the sweltering night. The mob moves like demons processed. Qu- possessed. Possessed. Excuse me. <laughs> Forget that audible thing. Re- well, Forget the problem, that it's audible. Too fa- it's too far away. It's too far away. away. I it's know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, <laughs> here's the problem with this. If I, yeah, I absolutely grace aside, but I have to remember to do it each time. Uh huh. Oh, now we, yeah. now, oh we now we can see it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um,. So, okay. um, so anyways, I'm going to read the whole song. Uh, oh, oh, the righteous rise with burning eyes yes. of hatred and ill will. Madmen fed on fear and lies to beat and burn and kill. Mm. Um, so this is a song about exactly what it's about. Yeah. And, um, you know, well, the other thing I liked about this song, yes. right, there's a sociopolitical commentary that is very much there, but it could also just be a, a spooky song. Because uh-huh. he yeah. makes it sound like yes. a creepy, yes. you know, spooky kind of thing. Um, this is my personal oh, favorite yes. Rush song. Sure. Uh, and that is called Time Stands Still, most famous of, because Amy Mann of Till Tuesday um, does sort of echoing yes. Getty on the yes. lead vocals. Uh, Neil Peart said, my first idea was to write about time and the song I wrote was Time Stands Still. But the more I thought about it and played around with the ideas, the more expanded the idea of temporary temperamental barriers took shape. Time stands still applies to the concept and that it deals with the attitude of enjoying life and not letting it whisk by without appreciating. Exactly. Um, I feel like I I sort of feel like when when they're and and this is kind of somehow how Getty um sings it too it sounds like a little kid stamping his feet time stands still you know what i mean like damn it right you know and isn't it so weird like you know oops i want the lyrics there we go um the um that's the one thing you know you know it's a cliche time waits for no man blah blah blah, blah, blah. exactly but like there are those moments that like why can't we just freeze it right this is this is the shit and you know we gotta like no we gotta keep going gotta keep going um i turn my back to the wind i catch my breath before i start off again drive on without a moment to spend to pass the evening with a drink and a friend yes i let my skin get too thin i'd like to pause no matter what i pretend like some pilgrim who learns to transcend learns to live as each step was the end Time stands still. I'm not looking back, but I want to look around me now. Time stands still. See more of the people in the places that surround me now. Um, beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Very great, great sentiment. Oh, yeah. Um, and Amy Mann. I mean, it was, you oh, know, that funny. was the first. They never really did that, right? They never right. Really brought no, it up. no, right. Like, I know that there was their, their, their producers <clears throat> and there were some other songwriters uh, over the years that contributed, but. They never brought in like a vocalist or like right. a guest guitarist right. or anything like that. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and that was that was really unique to them. And it, it came out great. Um, 
This is a great song, isn't it? Free Will. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, like I always, I would Lotus Land. I I thought like I heard it that way, but I thought I was mishearing it. I'm like, that can't be what he's saying. Yeah. Lotus Land, as it appears in Free Will, is simply a metaphor for an idealized background, a land of milk and honey. It is sometimes also u- used as a pejorative name for Los Angeles, uh-huh. though that was not in my mind when I wrote it, says Neil Peart. Okay. Okay. Um, the song uses somewhat strange time signature, really. Uh, six, four, mm-hmm. seven, four, six, four, seven, four, six, four, eight, four. Wow. <laughs> and that's just the first verse. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, as the song sometimes is seen as an atheist creed, as a champion's idea that we are in control of our own destinies and not listening to some celestial voice for guidance. Neil Peart is not an avowed atheist, but does question the existence of God. Um, let's go with the lyrics really quick here. There are those who think that life has nothing left to chance, a host of holy horrors to direct our aimless dance, a planet of playthings we dance on strings of powers we cannot perceive. The stars aren't aligned or the gods malign. Blame is better to give than receive. Mm-hmm. That is true. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give him that. You can choose a ready guide in some celestial voice. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. You can choose from phantom fears and kindness that can kill. I will choose a path that's clear. I will choose free will. Yes. So I'm not my, you know, not, I don't know. I got to do what's right for me. Exactly. You know, I can't, I can't tell you. Um, <clears throat> exactly. Probably they're like most, this, I believe Alex Lifeson says something like uh, closer to the heart is like um there he says it's the ultimate rush song oh yeah um song about people who run the who run governments and how they should be responsible for initiating harmony amongst themselves just as blue collar workers do um that's in the first verse the next part talks about uh blacksmith and an artist and how they forge their creativity and their art then we hear about the role of philosophers and plowmen a new way for people to view life finally you can be the captain and i will draw the charts um so um the whole so the whole goal is to be closer mm-hmm. to the heart um that's a very um <laughs> Uh, literal simplistic kind of way of looking but it, it, again it's a rush song it's great um i'm not going to read all the the lyrics to it i think everybody knows probably every word to it you've they've heard it so, so sure. many times um but it is a kind of like you know why don't we just try being good <laughs> yeah <laughs> try that give it a shot anybody here's an idea don't be a dick <laughs> that's rush that's basically yeah. what the, you know, what the closer to the heart saying don't be a dick we, so we called it close to the heart, but it could have been called Don't Be a Don't Dick. Don't be a dick. <laughs> Don't be a dick. <laughs> Don't be a dick. Uh, okay. Um, so last one we're going to hit on here is the um, uh, the Spirit of Radio. I always th- called the song Spirit of Radio. Yeah. And I could not find it on Song Facts. Oh, really? And it's under the, and it is the oh. spirit of radio. I thought it was spirit. Oh, of radio. okay. Spirit I was called spirit of radio. Of radio. Okay. <clears throat> Rush drummer and lyricist Neil Peart explained this song in an interview with Billboard magazine. The spirit of radio was actually written as a tribute to all that was good about radio and i think that's pretty obvious yeah, about the song yeah. uh celebrating my appreciation of magical moments i had uh, since childhood of hearing uh the right song at the right time however 
mm-hmm. song celebration of ideals of radio necessarily seemed like an attack on, uh, on the reality of formulaic mercenary programming of most radio stations and the music was the last of anyone's concerns and yes it was really ironic that such a song became a popular on the radio, though it was a kind of a litmus test. Uh, some radio guys who got it could hear the song and think, yeah, that's the way it ought to be, while others, the shallow, swaggering salesmen off the air, could be oblivious to the song's meaning and proudly <laughs> applaud themselves. That's me! <laughs> um, so this is really interesting. Um, and I don't know if a lot, a lot of y- all y'all know this, yes. but the uh, words of the written of the prophets were written on the studio walls. Yes. Right. Is a riff on or a wink and a reference to, uh, and the words of the prophets were written on the, the subway, subway walls, concert halls. Um, and, um, they were a, um, so, and, and, and then the part about echoes with the sounds of salesmen. Mm-hmm. So, um, they, they Neil came up with the sounds of salesman part because um, um, after hearing stage uh, p- banter from bands that Rush would tour with, yes, you know they would say the same thing uh, after night after night, telling audiences the particular city was the greatest in the world or they had the best fans. He just sort of found this disingenuous and manipulative. Uh-huh. And anyway, they were never a band that pandered to the fans. Very careful when it came to marketing. <clears throat> Uh, as their ethos of free thought doesn't jibe with most promotional efforts and tell folks what to think. So there you are, right? Yep, you, yep. Are, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. <laughs> and they cite, keep, cites Kiss as the salesman. So yep. that's a reference to Kiss yep. in that song. Um, group that markets the band as a lifestyle. You can even get buried in a Kiss casket when you die. Yep. Rush open for Kiss on a series of shows in 74. The band's got along very well, but it was clear they had different ideas yeah. on how to present their product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, really quick. Begin the day with a friendly voice, a companion unobtrusive. Song that plays that plays that song that's so elusive, and the magic music makes your morning mood. Off on your way, we hit the open road. There is magic at your fingers, for the spirit ever lingers, undemanding contact in your happy solitude. Um, and isn't that what you're doing? You're just yeah. kind of cruising on the, the radio. Kind of you're yep. going with you, and you're like, "Oh, I like that song." Oh, they're playing a commercial. I'll switch it. There's your finger. Exactly right. Station, <laughs> station. <clears throat> you know. Exactly's. Um. And you know you know, and there's another Canadian power trio that yes. has a song about radio. Oh, magic power. Magic by power Rush. by. But no, by, by Triumph. Ah, Triumph. You goofball. <clears throat> by Rush. No, it's by Rush. Everything's by <laughs> Everything. Rush. Don't you know that every song in the world that's good is by Rush? Look at the writers under there. <laughs> well, that's their real name. That's their real name. It's just so weird to see Gary Lee instead of Getty. Um, and... Oh, my God. I used to be able to. No wonder he changed Jivo Jovanovich. Alex Lifeson. God bless you for having an ethnic name. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good ethnic name. It's, well, like, you know, it's like, very you, can, ethnic. you can be shitty about it, uh-huh. or you can say, like, <clears throat> dude, like, your name, like, in this business, your name is kind of, yeah, kind of yeah. if you have a cool name, like, Sting, <laughs> uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like, you're going to go a lot farther. 
And, and people, you got there. Who's going to remember? It's going to be hard to say. You know, yeah, I mean? Jajon, like, yeah. I just think it was like he was doing himself a disservice yes. using that as you know yeah, as, as his thing. But I believe his family calls Getty. Getty. They call him Getty. That's a nickname. That, that's his, that's his, his nickname. mother. She could not pronounce Gary because she had a very what, what uh, very like heavy Jewish accent. Yeah, they were. They so were she from, would instead they, of saying Gary, they call him yeah. Getty. Yeah, Getty, <clears throat> Getty, Getty. Yeah, and that's, that's how the name stuck to that. So yeah, that's. <laughs> but it's just so funny to see Gary Lee. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it is, it's funny. Um, all right. Any, would you like to say anything else about Neil Peart before I love him, up? and I miss him very much. You know, it's funny. We talked about Eddie, uh, Eddie dying. Uh, I, th- I think it was the same year that uh, Neil died. When Neil passed away, I couldn't listen to Rush. I mean, it was such a sad thing because the, the band meant so much to me. When uh, Eddie died, I immediately wait immediately went and listened to a lot of Van Halen and because I did that I was able to go back and listen to Rush and appreciate Rush even though Neil was no longer with us so so yeah yeah so uh, about, yeah. about what eight months apart, yeah. something like that about same nine months ten months yeah yeah, um, but yeah, they died. The same neither year. one was COVID related. No, <laughs> but anyways, no. Um, yeah, I exact opposite. I devoured Rush the, yeah. when uh, at the time I had Sirius XM and um, they converted classic vinyl to the Rush station and they okay. played nothing but, but Rush, Rush. But, but Rush Rock, but <laughs> 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 Rock, but Rush Rock. They played nothing but that's all they did, and I listened. I I never turned it off uh-huh i listened to it until they got they ran that whole thing for like three weeks or something like yep. that <clears throat> um i i that's all i could that's all i wanted to hear um so it's funny right we all deal with grief differently exactly you know, it was it, i of course it was horrible you know that yes. that happened you know and one one thing i respect was obviously getty and alex and their families and everybody knew that he right. was sick, but, but they, nobody they they didn't let anybody know till mm-hmm. like very very end when they knew he was going to pass. Yep. I didn't want people to be because you know how people are. Yes, they're have I know. Out there. Yeah, not people that are that are Rush fans, but don't really pay attention. Anything Rush is actually about. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be maniacs. Uh, guys, we love doing Rush stuffs, and yeah. we're going to be doing another one in a few weeks, I'm sure. Sure. So if you have any suggestions, hit us up in the private uh, group. Uh, go to LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com, and you can get access to our Inner Circle group. And if you want to say, hey, guys, I enjoyed that, could you do... We're picking. We're, we're I, I, Any type of Rush-related topic is yes. open for this. Yes. We just... Um, you know, we did our kind of like intro to Rush on the mm-hmm, first one, mm-hmm. and now we're focused on Neil. We don't have to just do Getty Lee next or Alex Lyons right. next. We right. can Whatever. do all, We can pick like we can talk about their tours. Sure. We can talk about like like the their stage um, uh, <laughs> presentations, presentations and all that stuff. Like that. We could talk about their gear. Yeah. Um. We could talk about you know we could do we could go album. We could do pick a certain album. Mm-hmm. You know we could you know we could pick like. Um, um, all the, um, we could do like a Rush's greatest hits and go through each greatest hit. We could pick, you know, album cuts that are really, people don't think about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have something you want us to do with this, we're open to suggestions. As long as it's related to Rush, we love Rush. We don't give a fuck. We're, We're here for Rush. 
That's what yes. that's what it's all about. So Ludini Rock and Roll Circus.com will give you access to our inner circle group. <clears throat> uh, RockRageRadio.com will give you access to the uh, Rock Rage Radio app. Thank you. There you go. Um, and that app will give you uh, uh, open up a whole world of great music programming twenty four seven. They do a great job over there. It's totally free. I say it was free. How much does it cost? It's free. No way. Yeah. yeah. Even even <laughs> a broke n word like yourself could afford. It. That's right. Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, uh, RockRageRadio.com. And Wolf's Customs is, is the one want to talk to about getting a custom artwork done on your musical instrument. An actual instrument. Don't be like sending no, dick be, pics. Yeah, no, no dick pics. No, no. Wolfie don't, don't like that. Don't send a dick pic. Wolfie don't like that. Hey, man, I, I, I don't play that way. <laughs> <laughs> I walk on the other side of the street if you know what I'm talking about. That's right. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out. Mr. Pittsburgh, you good? I'm good. All right. It was a good time. And yeah. until next time, we'll catch you all on the next Ludini Rock and Rush podcast. Yeah.